Pick it up with the Lord. Happy Father's Day. Let me start there. Happy Father's Day to all the dads who are here this morning. Um, fathers, at the end of the service, we will have a gift for you um, to take home with you. And if there are extra gifts, you can take one to your father if he's not here or to a father that you know that is not here that you want to take a gift to. Um, Happy Father's Day. My father is here with us this morning. I'm thankful for God in this man. Let me honor him while I have the microphone. He showed me. Yeah, give him a hand. He showed, he, I mean, I was a rascal as a kid. And he showed me the love of the Heavenly Father in that he loved me at times he didn't have to. There were times he didn't have to love me. And he did. And I thank God for that. So I honor you this morning. You showed me the love of the Heavenly Father. All right, don't cry. Move on. <laughs> Second Samuel 4.4. Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. I don't know if Saul didn't like him from birth and thought I'm going to give him a name that he's going to get picked on with. But he's, he names him Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became crippled. God, I thank you for the scripture. God, I pray in these next few moments that we would see the love of Jesus Christ towards us. God, I pray that you would help me as I try to explain this story and talk about this story. God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that I would not say anything that is not of you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Second Samuel. Uh, <clears throat> if you are familiar with First and Second Samuel, you know that Second Samuel was probably not written by Samuel. Why do I say that? Because Samuel died at the end of First Samuel. But it is a, uh, the narrator gives us this story of Mephibosheth. And on Father's Day, it's a son about a father, a son, and a grandson. Mephibosheth is a fascinating character in the Bible. Let me give you a brief bio. Saul, his grandpa, was the first king of Israel. Many of you may know this. If not, uh, and for you it'll be a refresher. If not, then you're learning something today. Saul was the first king of Israel. Israel said, we want to be like other nations. We want a king. God said, you really don't. And they said, yes, we really do. And so God gave them Saul as king. Saul was head and shoulders above his peers. He was chosen by uh, Samuel. He was anointed by Samuel as king. Uh, Saul later disobeyed God. Uh, then Saul became extremely jealous of David, who was a key character. Uh, Character. Character. I was going to say figure, and then I decided to change to character. He's a key figure, um, and he'll play a key role later in this story, but he's a key figure in your Bible. David kills Goliath. Saul gets jealous because people celebrate David more than they celebrate him. Saul um, tries to kill David on multiple occasions. Uh, Saul became unfit as a king and actually sought a witch at one point, the witch of Endor. So Saul loses his kingdom, um, and you, you see here that the report came that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. Saul meets his end. Jonathan was Saul's son. He was David's best friend. 
They, were, they loved each other. The Bible says they loved each other. They were so close that they loved each other. They made a, a, a pact with one another. They were best of friends. Uh, Jonathan saved David's life one time from his own father. Jonathan was a good man. David mourned when he heard that Jonathan was dead. He also mourned when he heard that Saul was dead. But Saul and Jonathan are dead. The the word comes back to their house that they have died. And in those days, when a king fell, the conqueror went for the heirs. They went after the next in line. So if you were a son or a grandson of a king who just was conquered, your life was in jeopardy. That's just what happened. It's just what they did. And so in her haste to save Mephibosheth, the nurse is running from the house that's falling, and she drops him. And Mephibosheth loses use of both of his feet. We don't know exactly what happened. We don't know how far that he fell. We don't know the, the circumstances of his fall. We don't, we're not given what exactly bones were affected or muscles or anything like that. We're just told that he became lame in both of his feet. So that is the story. Later what happens is David becomes king. David, who Saul saw as an enemy, who really wasn't, but Saul saw him that way, tried to kill him. David was running from him. David becomes king. God anoints David as king. We know David was anointed as a young boy by Samuel um, as the replacement for Saul, but it took some 20 years for that to happen. Just because God makes you a promise doesn't mean it's coming tomorrow. Just because God promises you something and you see something and you think, God, you're going to give me that or God promises you something, it's not coming tomorrow. But he makes this promise to David. David becomes king. And then in 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter, I'm going to read it to you. It says this. David asked, Is anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember, David and Jonathan were friends. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. Ziba. It's not a bad name. It's better than Mephibosheth. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul? And I love this line. To whom I can show God's kindness. Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Emiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, (laughs) I'm going to get it wrong. Hopefully I don't say anything bad. Son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, and at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? 
Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and to bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephib, uh, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. We're on first name basis now, so I gave him a nickname. <laughs> now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephib ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephib had a young son named Mekah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. So I want to just look at this story just a little bit and pick a couple things out. I love what David said. I already mentioned it to you that David said, I want to show him God's kindness. Even to the son of an enemy of the king, he wanted to show him God's kindness. And if you are displaying the kindness of God in your life, you will seek out those who might be considered enemies and show to them kindness. This is an instance where David is a man after God's own heart. He is seeking out what should be an enemy and showing kindness. Mephibosheth should be terrified of David. But David shows him kindness. Now, Mephib, I'm just going to call him Mephib because Mephib was in Lodabar. Lodabar means place without pasture or a place without the word. There was nothing green in Lodabar, nothing fertile. Nothing sustainable about Lodabar. Nothing good came out of Lodabar. It just sounds like a bad place to live. Where are you guys staying? Oh, south of Lodabar. Got a little place. We go into town now and again. Lodabar. It just doesn't sound exciting. It's not like the city of David. Jerusalem. It's Lodabar. And that's where Mephib was staying. Mephib calls himself a dog, a dead dog. The name, I'm going to try to say it again, Mephibosheth means out of shame. Out of shame. He came from shame. And you know, guilt is... Guilt is the feeling you get when you've done something bad. Shame is what you think when you think, I am bad. Guilt is I've done something wrong. Shame is I'm wrong. And Mephibosheth felt less than human. He calls himself a dead dog. There are some people whose lives are so painful and so broken that they are convinced that they are below human. They're convinced that they're too broken, too far gone for God to ever love or forgive, let alone use. Forget about God using me. God could never love me. God could never forgive me. He calls himself a dead dog. Sometimes living dogs, when they haven't had a bath for a while, are stinky. He calls himself a dead dog. 
I heard a story, um, Jackie Johns, um, he's, he used to be a pastor, he was a, a professor at a Pentecostal Theological Institute in Cleveland, Tennessee, and he was a pastor, and he tells this story about this woman that came to their church, she was in her 40s, and she was one of those people who felt less than human. He said the first time she walked in the door, her head was down. She didn't make eye contact. As he and his wife began to counsel with her and talk to her, they, she opened up to herself about some of her stories. She had been abused as a child, lived in a rough home with a mean father. I mean, this is Father's Day, but she had a mean father, terrible father. I won't tell you the story. It would break your heart. But she, she ran away or, or was turned out, I think, when she was 14, 15, or 16, somewhere really young. And then she lived on the streets for a while, surviving any way that she could. She moved in with an older man who took care of her. And she got pregnant. He told her if she didn't have an abortion that he would kick her out. She'd be back on the street. So she did. And then again, and then again, multiple times this happened. And then he finally did kick her out. And then... She, she, her life was so, so broken and, and, and she just started to repeat the cycle over and over. How many know when you get in a cycle of sin and, and abuse, sometimes you don't know how to get out of it? She came into the church. The church opened their arms to her. And they began to speak the love of Jesus into her. But she said to them, I'm not human. <laughs> she said, the things that I've done. I'm not human. She said, I see other families, and I see moms with children, and, and I look at these families, and she said, I feel like an orphan with her face up against the glass. I think that's awesome for them, but that's not for me. He said he had never, he had never met someone who considered themselves less than human before. But then he said as, as, he, as he pastored longer and longer, he saw that this, this, this is something that happens. And this is where Mephibosheth finds himself. He calls himself a dead dog. And I don't know if there's somebody in here this morning that feels that way. Maybe you don't feel less than human, but you might feel like a bad human. You might feel like you've done a lot of Stuff. That's how Mephibosheth felt. He said, I'm a dead dog. My usefulness is gone. He was dropped by someone who was supposed to care for him. And some of you have been dropped by people who were supposed to care for you. And maybe they didn't do it on purpose. Maybe it wasn't intentional. But their job was to care for you and they dropped you. And now you're carrying scars. You're carrying pain that you were never intended to carry. Mephibosheth was dropped. The house was crumbling. Some of you grew up in houses that were crumbling, falling apart around you. And you're lucky to have made it out alive. 
I don't know who this message is for this morning. I was washing my hands and I was all set to come talk to you about marriage. <laughs> and God spoke Mephibosheth. God said it right when he said it to me. Some of you were supposed to be carried and you were dropped. Some of you were in a house that was falling around you. And you were still wounded by that. Some of you have dropped those that you were supposed to care for. And that's where the shame comes in. That's where the most guilt comes in. Some of us still live in Lodabar. Nothing green. Nothing grows. We're all lame. We're all broken. And if that were the end of the story, then we'd all go home depressed <laughs> on this Father's Day. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> Jesus Christ came to Lodabar. Jesus came to the lowest place of elevation on planet earth, Galilee, where there is a sea that is dead. And Jesus brought life. Jesus came to Lodabar where there was no pasture, where there was no word. God had been silent for hundreds of years. Lodabar was the whole earth and Jesus came. And the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And Jesus stepped off of his own throne and became flesh. David sent a servant. Jesus went himself. David sent his servant, go to Lodabar and bring the broken, the lame. And Jesus stepped off his throne and came to the broken and the lame. He came for the weak and the sick. He came for you and for me. King David returned all the land of King Saul to Mephibosheth. He said, everything that was ever King Saul's, I'm giving it back. You know, he could have just said, I'm going to give you a nice place to stay. I'm going to give you one, two servants. They'll both work 12-hour shifts. Those of you who are nurses and work 12-hour shifts, you know, that's not fun. That's where it all started. No, I'm kidding. He gives him all the land of Saul. He gives him up to upwards of 50 servants to, to farm his land, to provide for him. But Mephibosheth doesn't leave the king's table. Read the end of the story. It says Mephibosheth stayed in Jerusalem and he was always found at the king's table. Mephibosheth spent all his time in Jerusalem. He didn't go back to where he was provided for. The woman that, had, that, I, that I was telling you about that went to the John's church, she struggled with, with, the, with, with accepting Christ's forgiveness. Jesse talked about it a little bit earlier about how that 
It's easy to see that he loves somebody else and he'll forgive somebody else. But when it's your own sin, when it's your own brokenness, when it's your own darkness, sometimes that's hard to see. And she struggled with that. And one night she had a dream. And in her dream, she was walking into the church fellowship hall to clean it because that's all she was good for in her mind was to clean. And she walked into the church fellowship hall and she was surprised when she walked in because the whole church was there. And sitting at the head of the table was Jesus. <laughs> and when she saw Jesus, her, her head fell. And she was ashamed and she felt guilt. And she turned around to walk away. And Jesus called her by name and said, wait. Where are you going? I have a spot for you. And then she looked, and right next to Jesus, there was an empty chair. And Jesus welcomed her over, and she sat down at the table with Jesus. And from that moment on, she said she was able to receive the Lord's love because she knew that God loved her and had a place for her despite all that she had been through, despite the brokenness of her past, despite the abuse she had been through, despite the time she had been dropped, and despite the time she had dropped others. Jesus Christ came for her and loved her and had a place at the table for her. And no matter what you've been through, no matter how many times you've been dropped, no matter if the house you grew up in was burning and falling all around you, no matter if you have been dropped multiple times and in turn that abuse has then taken its cycle and you have be, become a dropper of people, Jesus Christ loves you and He's here for you and He extends His invitation to you to come to the table. And you don't ever have to leave the table. Jesus is inviting you this morning. John 14, 18 says this. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. It's already been said, maybe you, on this Father's Day, maybe you did not have a good father. But God is your father and he will not abandon you as an orphan. In the context of this verse, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit will come to you. And we've been preaching about the Holy Spirit lately. And Jesus has not left us orphans, but he has sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will teach us, who will guide us, who will baptize us, who will fill us. Jesus has not left us as orphans. Jesus is saying in this passage, I will not abandon you. And that's what we sang about. That's what the Spirit said to us over and over again today. Those of you this morning who are feeling drawn by the Holy Spirit, just open up to him this morning. David asked the question, is there anyone in the house who's still living? Is there anybody left? And so I ask you this morning, is there anybody in this house who feels like Mephibosheth? Who feels like you've been dropped? Who feels like you've been abandoned? Who feels like you've been let down? Or maybe you feel like you've dropped people, that you've, you've dropped the ball, you've hurt others, that you're the one who started the fire in the flaming house, that you're the one who tore the house down. 
Jesus is calling you this morning. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come back up. I won't keep you all much longer. I know it is 